Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And you gave me an example of the the upsells and the follow-ups that were being done on your um, on your email follow-ups. And you were saying that um, you also want to look at your your upsells and your add-ons and really target them to the customer. I think you gave me an example yes. of somebody was selling a really expensive item and they were giving away like a $1 journal or something. Yes, 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 100%. I know exactly what you're talking about, yes. So what, what I was saying was, is when, you, when you're purchasing, like when you, so when you're building a landing page, right? When you're building, let's say a, an acquisition page, like we just talked about, you wanna have, we use those as entry points for, for segmentation, right? We know that people who entered this land through this landing page probably ascribe to this kind of message and this, they're, they're probably follow this audience, right? So what we do is, is we make sure that the offers and the post-purchase offers, the messaging, everything we develop for that customer is catered to that customer. Our offers on the back end, if somebody, you know, let's say you're selling a supplement, right? If, if you sold a pro, if you sold somebody a, maybe a higher quality, higher price protein powder, you probably don't want to go and have a, a shaker bottle at, you know, as your main upsell uh, seven days down the road. You know, you want to, you don't want to have a generic post-purchase process. You want to make sure that everybody is kind of getting their own respective um, message, right? So that you, it resonates with them. Because when you try and sell to everybody, you sell to nobody, you know? So right. it, it's, it's really about making sure that, and, and this is like, it, it's just really about being considerate. I think about when you, when you think about like, think about somebody coming into your actual store, right? Imagine somebody you own a storefront and you have somebody that comes in and they buy something and then they make this purchase. And then you take them to some other completely area of the store and try and sell them stuff over there that has nothing to do with what they just purchased. Right? Like somebody comes to buy floral stuff from home Depot and you go take them to the saws and hammers. Right. It just, it doesn't make sense. Right. It just, it, we don't think of it like that. Cause we're in, you know, we're in the digital space sometimes, but it's really that simplistic when you think about it, like sell people what they want to be sold, not what you want to sell them. Right. And that's a big thing that like a lot of people, like, it's not what you want to sell. It's what people want to buy. And yeah. Get- and I loved how you did, you know, you took, and this is a great idea for all of you listeners out there. You know, you took a single supplement yep, and you presented it with three or four different landing pages Mm-hmm. Same supplement, but yep. this one was for hiking. Yep. And it was like the hiking supplement. You were really speaking to the hiker, yes. right? And then this one over here was for like the hardcore bodybuilder, right? 100%. And, and so you're not going to try and sell the hardcore bodybuilder accessories to the hiker, nope. you know, who's more interested in endurance and everything like that. So I love, and any one of us could practice that with any of our products we could create multiple landing pages with different messages that are targeted towards different types of customers and customers who are on different journeys in their lives, right? And we can, or we could look at all the pain points that our customers have and have a landing page for each pain point, right? And then cross, uh, and then your follow-up messages also continue to target that same customer. So you yep. not only built multiple landing pages, but you also built multiple follow-up sequences that were personalized for that customer. 
So yeah. I just think that is just yeah. so smart. And then by the yeah. time you're done, what you've done is you've basically built out this whole infrastructure of um, where you know they can plug in their next products and they kind of know the, the process for that. So that's just awesome. I love that you do that. And I think that it's a great tip for all of our listeners to sell your product to multiple different um, customers, but make yeah. sure that you're targeting them separately and not trying to, hey, if you're a hiker, a biker, or a hardcore weightlifter, like this is for everyone. Yeah, and that was one thing I didn't mention. I, I don't think I touched on enough in the research process is, you know, learn who your customer is, you know, go into, go into forums, go into, um, you know, anywhere where your customers are discussing things, Facebook groups, like just go in there. You don't have to, you know, you're not there to spam anybody. You're just there to read and just consume, you know, Amy, I think I told you, I spend more time at Amazon events than I do Shopify events because I'm trying to learn my customer. I'm trying to learn like, what are the pain points that they have? What are the challenges? That's how I've learned all the things that I can go back and forth with you on and what I'm hearing. Cause I'm hearing it from actual sellers. Um, so it, that's one thing is just really go deep on learning who your customers and how to speak to them. We have a, we have a section in our discovery sheet. It's called vernacular. Like what are words that they use that they, these people specifically use, because if you don't speak like them, you know, you can't sell to them. Um, right. so that was just one thing to, to, you know, use. And then one last tip uh, that we use on landing pages, um, because this is really good in relation to what you said about how, like how things, um, how messaging, um, how messaging changes, right? Um, think of it like this. When we sell a product, right? We don't, we, we, we don't want to just compare things for the purpose of comparison. So we're going to, I'm talking about comparison charts, right? So with comparison charts, most people think that you're comparing features and benefits, right? You're just comparing the two. But what we found comparison charts are actually very powerful for product and market positioning. So what I mean by that is let's say, you know, I have my protein brand, right? So let's say I want to position my product and my messaging when I'm messaging to somebody, um, whoever that audience is. If I have a, um, a comparison chart and I want to message somebody who does like plant-based protein, like Vega, Sun Warrior, all these great brands, you know, that we compete against, right? Um, then that's what, but, if, but what if I want to brand my product as a breakfast product, right? Like what if I have a landing page with a breakfast product? Now I'm not comparing to them. Now I'm comparing to Ensure, Our Nation, Slim Fast, right? Now I've, I've now sub, like, subliminally but also explicitly place my my product in a specific place where my customer my customer can understand what it is right so when you build use comparison charts because they don't just they don't just set out features and benefits and you know you can use those features and benefits but use them in relation to what the market is talking about in that segment you know if you're going to compare a latte product to another latte compare it to Starbucks and, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. And, you know, if you're doing a healthier product, something like that, just that I know that it makes a huge difference on our pages uh, is comparison charts. So that would and be one last tip. I love that. And I mean, that ties back into that replacement, right? Like, what are you replacing? What are you replacing? Yeah, you're, it, it makes it explicit. Love it. Makes it. it explicit. So let's get back to basics. I mean, you do such an amazing job building out Shopify. You're building out monster sites and really helping people through every area of the funnel. What you're doing is very, very, on a very professional level. So yeah, let's yeah. get back to basics for those yeah. brands that are just starting out and considering Shopify. Sure. Um, what do you think about Shopify in terms of like, when should I have more than just a placeholder sure. page for my brand? Like when do I start throwing some, some eggs into the Shopify basket? Great. 
Great, great question. So I think, <clears throat> I think that that really is, um, I think it's kind of universal when it comes, the, the answer to that is kind of universal when it comes to a lot of the sales channels that we work with, right? So I always tell people, if you're selling, let's say you, you get a guy like me when, before I you know, got involved in the Amazon to Shopify space, um, I was selling on Shopify, right? And or I'm, I'm selling on Shopify and I'm running traffic from Facebook and Facebook is doing okay. It's not doing, it's, it's not doing stellar. It's, it's kind of, but, I, but I haven't given up on it yet, right? I probably don't want to go and take capital from, from there and allocate it to another traffic source to then do another mediocre job with another traffic source. I want to master this source first, right? Like I, my, my Facebook acquisition is doing very well. My CPAs are healthy. My traffic isn't super expensive, which is hard in, you know, these days with Facebook, but nonetheless, it's, it's converting at a very efficient level. I can, I can sustain this, right? When I hit that level, that's when I'm willing to pivot, you know, in, in, in traffic sources. If I want to go and run traffic from YouTube and Google, you better believe that my Facebook and Instagram traffic is either, I'm either using it or I'm not using it. Sorry, my phone went off. I'm either, use, I'm either using it or I'm not using it, right? So if I'm using Facebook, I'm going all in. If I'm not using, then I'll go somewhere else. So um, it's kind of up to, you know, an Amazon seller when it comes to that. Have you really gotten to where you feel like you have a good grasp on customer acquisition, you know, how, how, you know, how much are people purchasing your product? What are your sales monthly? Do you feel that you're doing, I, I guess we never all have it figured out, right? Like we, if we all had it figured out, we probably wouldn't be listening um, to podcasts, right? <laughs> so we're always trying to learn, but I do feel like there's a certain point where we understand like, hey, okay, I'm ready to make this transition. I'm ready to go horizontal into another traffic source and allocate revenue there because that is another thing. In order to get data, you have to spend money. And yeah, you're going to need data. Go ahead. Yeah. Go. And that's the same thing that I tell people about just moving to other channels or expanding internationally yeah. on Amazon. It's like, okay, well, do you have where your primary sales channels are right now? Do you have that figured out? Like, are you understanding how much money you're making, uh, what your yes. turnover right. is, how to stay in stock, your logistics, like all of those things, like it's good to have a good system built for that before yes. all of a sudden, because every new channel you move into and Shopify is no different, especially when you want to sell on your own website, you are driving the traffic now. Right. And yep. so you got to go bring traffic to your page. So before you, it's, it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing, uh, nor is Amazon, nor is Walmart, nor any of the channels. So we really do have to take the time to kind of get to know our channels and make sure that we're profitable, we're yep. scalable. And then when we know we're profitable and we're scalable, we go, okay, well, yeah. let's look at Shopify or let's yes. look at adding Walmart or let's look at adding an international um, Amazon on you know channel yes. whatever it is like focus on the one thing at a time and back to your um comparison chart uh, marcia has a question she said sure. what if there are very few comparable products so what if it's a new never seen before product or there's very few comparable products do you have a tip there so so let me ask you so do you have anything that you're replacing currently like is there is there a product that we're replacing yes I so believe so. With her product, there are because she is replacing the need for things like hand sanitizer and stuff like that. So, so then, so I would probably put like I would probably whatever I can replace. I would I would probably like you and I just you called it out right away. Like well, usually, what you're replacing or what you're improving upon is going to be in in that comparison chart. So if you're if you're going to even though it might not be hand sanitizer, right? You might not even be selling hand sanitizer. 
that's okay because you're just you're just giving it in you're putting it in, in a position for the consumer to understand okay i don't need hand sanitizer anymore because i have this product and here's why it's better right the better is like the bonus the better is the 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 compare the actual comparison part of the comparison chart is the cherry on top what it really does it shows the consumer what they're replacing and then it tells them why they're replacing it and when I think about Marsha's product, I think not only does it replace the need for things like hand sanitizer, it also replaced the need for a lot of health supplements that you might be taking to constantly right. stay healthy because, you know, so you can say like, look at all these things you can throw you think of yes. that old as yes. seen on TV commercials, yes. like throw yes. that in the trash, yes. throw yes. that in the trash. You know, there's, there's <laughs> a little bit of, I always say there's a little bit of as seen on TV and like, you, you know, Facebook advertising and, you know, like using special acquisition offers but wait there's more kind of deal with upsells you just you just got to make it kind of classy right you got to make it it's got to be tasteful it can't be like too salesy or else you get really deep into like the you know kind of like pushy salesman tactic got it okay so let's talk about comparison sales now as far as um websites web platforms yeah. go yeah, yeah. tell me about what do you like about Shopify versus other e-commerce platforms like WooCommerce, for example? Sure. Yeah. Well, I love, I, I you know, I, I, when I first started getting into e-commerce, I was, I was building on WooCommerce and WordPress. So I wasn't building, but I was hiring people to build on it. So I was, I'm pretty familiar with the platform and, and I, I, I don't have anything against it, right? Like, I think it's a good platform. We build, you know, some of the business owners that we work with, they, they do have a WooCommerce site and they want to stay there. Um, so it has its advantages. One of the things that I really like about Shopify is just the ease of use. You know, it's got apps, you know, it does, it does, you know, some of these apps, they can get a little, you know, just being a fair um, comparison, they can get a little costly, you know, they app after you, you know, have 10 different apps that you're using, but just the, just the, the fact that it's so easy to use, you know, it, it's just, it syncs everything, just links right up to it. Yeah, it, it, it I just, love how the dashboard is just so seamless. The dashboard like, is great. You know, you can like look at your Facebook ads and your conversions and everything from your Shopify dashboard, which yes. I was like, wow, you know, we did a Shopify course in our uh, mastermind group and I, it really made me want to switch from e-commerce yeah. to Shopify because I was like, but, yeah. then, but then you've got the nickel and diming, right? Where it's like, oh, one more app. Oh, let now our yes, monthly costs totally. are up to hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Yeah, you're, um, you're spending a couple, you, you can spend, you know, a couple, it, it's very, it's not hard to get to a couple thousand. I mean, it's not, you have to be doing volume at that point. I wouldn't think that, you know, a smaller store is doing a couple thousand dollars in fees. But, you know, a couple hundred bucks is not unreasonable if you've got a couple of pretty decent, apps that are really important you know right um, yeah i love that but, comparison though yeah it's 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 just an easier platform in my opinion like you said the metrics you can you can plug it there's a lot of really good apps that work with like lifetime value there's a company called uh lifetimely i'm gonna give them some free promo here but they're there it's a great app gives you lots of ltv information about your customer we use it on all of our projects dashboards data source you know it, it, it there's a lot of cool things you can do on shopify it's cooler <laughs> <laughs> yes it's better for the just nerds. cooler i, guess. I like it <laughs> yeah right you're right well colin i would love to talk a little bit more about you know because the last time i talked to you we were talking about what you do for brands so your company yeah. um takes on certain brands and you basically grow out their shopify channel for them sure. and yep. it's it's not it's not like a um I wouldn't say it's um, 
it's not like you're, you're not like building someone's first Shopify site. The, no, people are not coming to you to build their first Shopify site. What you're doing is taking brands that are true private labels. They have a differentiated yep. product. They have those four aspects that we talked about and that you can really build great funnels for and you're building them an asset. You are doing yes. the job for them and you're building them an asset. So talk about what kinds of brands that you work with, because I'm sure there are a lot of brands in our listener group that are thinking yeah. like, wow, I would love somebody to take over my Shopify yeah. and yeah, just yeah, yeah. manage it for me and grow it for me. But talk a little bit about the, the type of brands that you work with and, and what you guys do for them. Totally. Yeah. So, well, but, you know, the first thing that we always do is we, whenever we, you know, bring on a new brand, the first thing we do is we meet with the, you know, the, the founder and CEO, whoever's in charge there. And, um, we look at the product, we look at the product together. They'll, they'll send it to me. And, um, I usually, if it's, if it's, you know, a smaller product, I usually just ask that it gets sent to me so I can try and use it. You know, if, if it's something that I, you know, can use if it's a house product or a food product or something, I always like to touch, feel, see, um, and get an experience for what the product looks like. Um, so we typically work with, you know, consumer packaged goods, lots of CPGs. We're very familiar with supplements. We, we, we have quite a few, you know, clients in the supplement space. Um, that's, I, I also really like to work with um, problem solving products, you know, like direct to consumer problem solving, something that solves big problems um, and desirable problems, people that definitely need these problems solved. That's something that we want to look for. Um, more or less when, we, when we're looking at businesses, we're, we're also taking into account not just new opportunities that exist um, on the product side, but what also can exist as a product or, or, or um, an industry authority side, right? Because there's some times um, where you'll find products that maybe aren't as unique, right? Like maybe you don't have something that's super, super unique, but what you do has and what you do have is the opportunity of an opening in the market where there's no D to C authority, because there's a difference between a standard and an authority, right? Like you can have a company that sells a specific product, and maybe people just use it because that's all there is there. But if there's no direct to consumer authority in the space, you actually have a new opportunity for the market, which is to claim that you are the authority and we are the go-to source. Because we'll, I'll do research, product research, when somebody gives me a product, I'll see where it's being sold, right? Is it only being sold through online distribution or online marketplaces? If it's only being sold on online, like people think that that's a bad thing. I actually think it's a good thing because that means that tells me there's nobody directly connecting with the customer. Like there's nobody who's directly saying like, this is a great opportunity for you to deal with the authority in the space. And we're going to be here for you when you need help because you're going to need help. You can't go to Home Depot and, you know, get everything that you can get directly from a brand. You can't get that close, that closeness. So we look for that opportunity as well. Is there an opportunity to be an authority in the space? Is there anybody competing with you in the D to C space? So we'll, that's another thing that we look at. Um, and then, you know, obviously we look at when it comes to just, the brands that we work with and the relationships we like to build, because I think that's something that a lot of people, I don't want to say it's a challenge, but you know, in e-commerce, you, you've, there's definitely no shortage of like, like horror stories that people have heard, right? Like we've heard, we've all heard them all, right? Like I worked with somebody and then they just like ran Facebook ads for me and they ran them into the ground. Like we've all heard it, right? So the number one thing that I always tell people when, when we work together is that we want you to understand that this is going to be a, uh, you're investing in infrastructure first. So I always like to analogize it to a, a restaurant, right? 
if, if you wanted to open up a restaurant, right, after owning, you know, maybe a nice profitable food truck and you want to go and build a restaurant, right, you're going to have to pay for the restaurant, you're going to have to pay for the waiters, you're going to have to pay for the, for, the, for the management, you're going to have to pay for all that and then you're going to have to pay to market the business, right? So it has to be somebody who understands that this is not like, because, you know, we don't want people to think that this is a get rich quick, like we don't, that's not really how it works. This is somebody really wanting to invest in infrastructure, take their brand to the next level and say, I want to build an asset for my business because eventually I'd like to, you know, go past, maybe they don't want to just do the aggregator thing with Amazon, right? They want to go and get acquired by a, a, a major brand. So, you know, that's now that becomes an asset because now you're collecting data. We need, we like to work with people who understand like, Hey, we're, we're not saying you're not going to get results. We actually, we literally guarantee sales, but it's not at first we're getting data we're getting, we're getting your assets built and we're, we're putting together the infrastructure you need to actually sell. So I think psychologically, um, one of the things we look for is just that preparedness to say, Hey, I'm ready to go from point A to point B and, and I'm willing to build this. So good product potential for being an authority in the space and the mindset that you're going to be investing, um, in building an asset, not just building, you know, a, a, a piece of real estate on a marketplace, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. I'm down to my last two questions. Nice. So nice. From a business perspective and even a personal growth perspective, what are yeah. some things that you're reading, listening to that kind of thing that keep you motivated? Cool. So um, I'm reading, I'm reading a book. I'm actually reading and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm like, you know, I'm reading three books, but I'm not like, I don't always do that. It's just like, that just happened recently that I got three books sent to me at the same time. So I'm reading this book called Influenced, um, which is just a really amazing book about B2B, you know, being a D2C, I've been selling D2C and, you know, selling direct to consumer. And then with the agency space, you get a little bit more involved in B2B. And it's just a great book about value, providing value and how you can, how you can use value as a, a true asset in, in business. And that's to me is like, I, that's like my always, my number one goal is to provide value to people before anything. Um, so influence, um, my business partner actually just gave me a book the other day called The Obstacle is the Way, which I'm reading currently. It's pretty decent. And um, other than that, you know, just constantly trying to push myself. Like I really am. Like I'm constantly, I'm constantly trying to push to see what the next level looks like you know, and see where I can get better, especially in, in like, you know, obviously as a parent, you know, I have kids and stuff, but, you know, professionally, I really like to push the threshold, you know, like how much better can I get, you know, and how much more can I learn? I'm always reading. I mean, it's, we have something at the agency ABL, always be learning. And we're literally like obsessed with learning. So that's, that's kind of how I keep busy. And obviously, you know, personal life, you know, kids and gym and and coming to see us at Prosper. So oh, we're oh, yeah, see you yeah. there. Prosper's so excited to yeah, see you again. I saw you in Miami, so it's good. We'll, we'll be seeing you at Prosper and um, maybe a day of the Empowering Women's Conference. That'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. Well, the last thing is how can people get in touch with you? Oh, great. So yeah, um, very easy. Of course, of course, my dog starts barking right when I go to tell people how they can get in touch with me. How funny is that? That's my life. Um, so, um, very easy. Uh, you can, uh, the, the, actually the easiest way is through LinkedIn. Cause I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, so you can look me up my, you can spell my name C A U L E N. I'm probably the only person on LinkedIn that I know of that probably has their name spelled like me. Um, so that's one option. If you'd like to email me, uh, my email is Colin C A U L E N at 
brainpower.agency. Um, and I think those are the two best ways to get in touch with me. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Colin, for just dropping so many nuggets today. Yeah, yeah, and anyway. we've got a bunch of folks here in our Zoom chat. And so we're going to stop the yeah. recording and we're going to let our folks that are in our Zoom chat ask any questions that they have. For sure. And now we're going to stop the live as well. But we just want to remind you guys, first of all, thank you for listening. And I hear from so yes. many of you and um, just love that you listen to us and that you get value out of what we bring. It's one of my favorite things to do all week is to record this podcast because I get to learn from amazing people like Colin. So, um, you know, just please rate, review, subscribe, go to sellaroundtable.com and hit that subscribe button so that you get notified of all of our new episodes Episodes, and we just appreciate y'all so much and we will see you next time on the seller roundtable goodbye everyone thanks for tuning in join us every tuesday at 1 p.m pacific standard time for live q a and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com sponsored by the ultimate software tool for amazon sales and growth sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com